You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. This is episode 740 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. Today, we are connecting with industry experts who are all here with one common goal to help you succeed. You'll hear from Alexa Durr, a young equine professional who founded the Young and Youngish Equine Professionals <laughs> Forum. After that, we'll hear from our good friend and frequent guest, Dr. Carol Holland of Natural Vet Palm Beach, with amazing tips and strategies on how to keep your equine partner happy and fit. And last but certainly not least, we're checking in on one of USCF's most recently minted large R dressage judges and very good friend of the dressage radio show, Katie Pogue. <laughs> is Reese Goffler Stanfield from Wellington, Florida. And guess who's in the house? This is Noah Ratner live <laughs> from Wellington, Florida, too. And you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. How's it going down the road there, Reese? I know. You're literally like 10 minutes from me, but <laughs> <laughs> we didn't coordinate to do it together tonight. We're going to have to do that in March, but <laughs> we, are still, we are still 10 minutes apart or 12 minutes apart or whatever, right. but hi. Hello, hello, hello. Well, how's the weather on your side of town? <laughs> I mean, you know, it was a little windy and rainy. Did you get that little storm here? Yeah, ago? yeah. Uh, it, it's coming our way. I can see it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you had a fun day today. It is, it is, we're actually recording on a Monday, just so everyone knows. And Monday, you know, typically here is kind of a lighter day. It's, um, <laughs> I, I don't take Mondays off, so it, it, I oh, still I do. work on Mondays. Yeah, <laughs> but you do. So tell us, what did you do today? Monday is uh, is my rest, relaxation, and recovery yes. day um, yes. because uh, when you do horse shows for a living, which many of you do, so I'm not special, yes. but uh, when you do horse shows <laughs> for a living, um, Monday and Tuesday are the days that you catch your breath and also catch up on all of the yeah. emails and phone calls that you haven't had time for while you're running a horse show. Right. So luckily, I was just announcing um, for the week five of the Adequan Global Dressage Festival. And on Monday, uh, one of my friends and partner in crime, um, we go scuba diving uh, up in Riviera Beach. So I was scuba diving at the Blue Heron Bridge this morning uh, with Josephine Bush from the Black Horse One. And uh, they run all of the scoring operations and all the judge wizardry and everything for yeah. all of the FEI level sport and all the stuff that you see technologically at the at the Global Dressage Festival. So we also, our common thread is we scuba dive. Yeah. And uh, you wouldn't believe how many, how many riders in the dressage world and how many people that do show support stuff are also divers. Really? Oh, that yeah. is so cool. I like, love it. I just want to come and sit on the boat and just, you know, be, <laughs> be a queen and, and bring my drink and sit there. So I want to come on a Monday. We have yeah. good snacks. <laughs> yes. I mean, this is this is right up my alley. I, I mean, I'll just like wait around while you guys are doing your thing. Like, this sounds great. Like, as no, long as you don't get seasick, you're fine and you're welcome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. If you don't get seasick, you're welcome. No, I think it's great. And well, it's true. Like, I think that's one of the things that is is real in Wellington is it is literally a pressure cooker for everyone that's here. 
So it really depends. Like I, I am really lucky because most of my business is eventers and show jumpers um, down here. Like I have my training horses. So I have my horses that are with me, but they are, I, I am very busy Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and some Friday. And then on the weekends, um, right now I don't have a lot of horses that are showing. So my weekends are a little bit calmer, but it, it would have been, you know, in the last few years I showed a lot on the weekends too. So it's a real pressure cooker. So to have some things where you can kind of leave Wellington, take a deep breath. I think we all try to do that. Um, some friends of mine, um, we went down to the water and just, um, had some drinks and listened to a band over the weekend. Oh and it man, was so I love much that. Fun. Yeah, it was so much it's, fun. So yeah, it's so important. It's so important. Like, you know, when we do this week after week after week, like somebody was just yes. asking me and I said, I think I have like 43 weeks or something crazy this, this year. And, yes. um, and you go and you go and you go and you're like, okay, what are you doing for yourself to keep yourself centered yeah. and balanced and like keep the mental health? And yeah. uh, this is one of the things I actually love about coming to Wellington is the proximity of the water. And mm-hmm. like that just lends itself to like t- taking some time for you and yeah. keeping the balance. And then you can come back like later in the week and you're like, all right, let's do this again. Yeah, I'm so, ready. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. I like to just go to the water. My dog, I like to take my dog to the dog park. He just is like, loves it so much. I mean, um, if I, <laughs> <laughs> look like we're going to the dog park. He like freaks out. It's so much fun. I'd love to go up there and just <laughs> sit with him. And, and literally I just sit with my dog and look at the water. It's great. And we play fetch and it's so much fun. I really enjoy it. And so, yeah, th- that is a real thing here. I don't think people know that so much about Wellington as it's such a pressure cooker, but I mean, there's so many fun things and, and that is the hard thing. It, it, good and bad. It's so there's so many things there's things you can do literally every day and uh, we were just talking about my you know our our good friend conrad schumacher is coming here next next week and i haven't seen mr schumacher and uh well since before covid so you know i can't wait to just sit sit and soak up lessons and take my notebook and like just remember all the things that i've forgotten and (laughs) you know i mean I'm, i'm taking my young horse i've been able to do a lot of uh, my goal with my youngster was to take him a lot of places. So I said, once a week, we take him somewhere. And sometimes I ride him. And sometimes the young horse rider, Savannah, who's wonderful, shout out to her. Sometimes she rides him. When we went to the 10 acre field with the jumpers taking off, I did not ride him this week. I was like, <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, but it was so cool to watch them, you know, go and she rode him. And it was so great. And it's easier here because her farm is literally, you know, 10 minutes from my farm. So we're able to get on, um, you know, the trailer and go do that. And it's not such a big day at home. That would be half a day, you know, here it's like, Oh, we're, we're there and back in an hour, just down the road, yep. two hours, yeah, which is really easy. So, um, so we've been really busy doing that. My big Mike horse, we've been really training hard for the Grand Prix. So I've been training a lot. So lots of fun stuff going on. Uh, all my, my jumpers are showing, um, pretty heavily now, which is fun to, if I can run over to WEF and, and see them, I will, I try to do nice. that. So lots Super of cool exciting. stuff going on. Yeah. And we're, and we're getting to the, like, we're getting to the good part of the season. I mean, not yeah. that, like, the, the first half isn't great, but like we got to warm up somehow. But like, we now warm we get, up. yeah, we're coming, up on, we we're coming up on Nations Cup week, and, and then right behind that, we've got Palm Beach Derby, and then we've got mm-hmm. the five star. Like, now we are really getting, <laughs> I'm so excited to see these horses that have been yes. acquired by US riders. Like, Ooh. we are going to see some 
really cool stuff coming up here in like the next yeah. couple of weeks and it's going to be I awesome. I think we're all pretty, we're all pretty like, you know, like excited. So um, if you're coming down to join us, we love it. Come and come and say hi to Noah and I, we, we are excited to have you. Um, <laughs> and we are thinking of you truly, um, but you know, try to watch this stuff online. Uh, there's a lot of stuff now when that's the, was the beauty of COVID honestly is, you know, um, global, all the Friday night lights are on, on, the web, which is great. Yeah. Um, you can do a get together. Um, you know, Lyndon Gray does her teacher for training that's free via zoom. So there's a lot of stuff that we get to, to see in person, but there's a lot of stuff that is also on zoom, um, that, uh, reach out. We're happy to tell you if we know it, if, if I don't know it, Noah probably knows it. Um, we will connect the dots. Yeah. A lot of cool community that happens here, but now with the technology, you can see it as well at home. So, uh, we want to continue to, to share all of that with you guys. Well, we truly have a great show. So we are going to get into it after this break from Kentucky performance products. Frequently asked questions brought to you by Kentucky performance products. My older gelding is having trouble holding his weight and I'm afraid to feed him any more senior feed. He gets all the hay he wants. What do you recommend? Many older horses are eventually unable to maintain acceptable body condition on a typical diet of hay and grain alone. When you want to add calories without the risk of digestive upset, we recommend Equijewel Rice Bran. It is an excellent source of easy-to-digest calories for older horses. The fat in Equijewel is a concentrated energy source. It will increase calorie consumption and improve body condition without risking grain overload. Start your older horse on a quarter pound per day and work up to one or two pounds per day over a few weeks. Remember, small meals fed three to four times per day will help your older horse better utilize the feed. You can learn more about Equijewel at kppusa.com. Got questions about your feeding program? We can help. Email Karen at questions at kppusa.com or call us at 859-873-2974. Well, tonight I am really excited to have Alexa Dare. She is the owner of Voodoo Dressage, a USDF gold medalist. Alexa, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Well, Alexa, we we have met each other and we know each other through a wonderful forum that you have started um, on Facebook because there are really good things about Facebook and building community, et cetera. And you have started the young, young ish, which is my part, Equine <laughs> Professionals Forum on Facebook. But we're going to get into that. But we want to hear a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I started riding horses when I was six years old um, and I started in the hunter jumpers and after a few too many times of getting bucked off over fences, I said, you know, I just don't, that's my, uh, my calling. Um, as much as I wanted to be a, a pony trainer, um, grew too tall for that too. So <laughs> I had to look for a, a new calling. Um, and I went to dressage at Devon when I was, I think, maybe 12 years old and watched the Grand Prix freestyles and instantly fell in love and thought, okay, this is what I want to do. This is my, this is my calling. Um, and the rest is history. I, you know, worked and trained um, up and down the East Coast, uh, was big part of dressage for kids. Um, I credit so much of my young rider success and 
you know, goal drivenness um, to London. She's been a very good friend and mentor and trainer of mine for many, many years. Um, and yeah, that's kind of where I'm where I'm at. You know, Alexa, the um, the group that you started uh, on Facebook is really a, a tremendous resource for a community. I know so many young professionals that are just, um, you know, getting their, their start in our industry and trying to figure out kind of what their footing is going to be. And having this resource to turn to to ask questions is really a brilliant idea. What made you start this? So I started this in 2018, which... I think was a little bit after I started my own training business. Um, and I started it because I had questions. I wanted to know from people, what are you doing with tricky client situations? How do you uh, handle price increases? How are you getting through this wonky uh, training problem? You know, things like that. Because um, I'm in an area where there's not a whole lot of uh, upper level support and there's really no dressage support. Uh, so while the group kind of started in a place where it was a lot of dressage riders, uh, young, you know, dressage pros, it grew immensely from that. Um, and that's kind of, so I guess, I guess, I guess I kind of started it for selfish reasons. Sure. Oh, I love it. You know? Kind of like it just it I felt like it was needed. Um and I knew I ran it by a couple of my friends um from across the country and they were all like, Yeah, we need this. Um because some of the other groups, while there's you know, lots of um helpful Facebook groups out there, I just wanted something that was a little bit more like grassroots business, but also the people that have been doing it for five, ten years, you know, and have have kind of grown through those grassroots areas and issues. Yeah. And I mean, I use the group myself. I, I like it. I'm in the ish group, which I love <laughs> because I'm, you know, I'm I think I've been there too. Yeah, I know. I'm like, I, I'm still a little, a little older than you, Noah, but, um, <laughs> you know, I, I'm over to the ish. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm in the ish, but I mean, these are questions that we all deal with. And I mean, every one of us on this call, and I guarantee a lot of our listeners that are, that are listening, uh, you know, if you are a young professional or a professional at, at all, uh, all these questions come up. And I think that's, what's been so fun to be part of this group. I, I, I got in, I think, I, I think I saw it relatively early. So I've been in it for a while and, and I do love it because it is a safe space. And I think you do an incredibly good job of sort of monitoring what's going on and keeping it, um, we like to say also here on the dressage radio show, we're today show, we're not into anything else. But what we're into is you're doing a super job sort of moderating that group. And tell us a little bit about what your thoughts are with that. I mean, I think that, to be honest, the members um, really make my job easy. Sure, there's been a couple of, you know, ruffled feathers or um, people that we had to say, okay, you're not really fitting the vibe of this group and you're not being supportive. Um, in nature and your comments are demeaning like and that's just that is not what this group is for this group is we you know it's, it's there for education it's there for positivity because um, this industry is hard it doesn't matter yes. what side of the business you're on it is never going yes to be like uh you know the 
cakewalk of a day, you know, and I feel like people <laughs> need a place that they can just come to and vent or they can come to and say, okay, I don't know what to do. I am out. Like, I, I don't know what to do anymore. Help me yeah. out. Um, yeah. And that's what I want. I want the members to be helpful to each other. Um, and they do an, an amazing job. Like I love having both of you a part of it and you're right. You have been there for, from the beginning. Um, and I just, I, I love that some of the ish members <laughs> um, <laughs> like bring along the younger members, but then there's a lot of younger members that are like, Hey, I just started, but like, I found this really cool way of doing things from a technology perspective or, or whatever the case may be. And they kind of like, teach the ish members <laughs> and so yes. it's, just, I don't, it's just a really cool space and it um yeah. I really do have to give the members a lot of credit for that because honestly I don't have to do a ton of moderating um I mean I, I watch everything I'm making sure people are being positive but I really haven't had to yell at anyone it's great <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's ideal <laughs> yes what there's like I think there's like 13 or 1400 members um yeah and yeah. I think there's been like two people that I had to ask to leave. That's, just, wow. that's incredible. That's great. Like, you, yeah. you don't find that on Facebook. <laughs> no. And I think it does show how we are all a community. I mean, yeah. no one, I get that because we're in Wellington and that's one of the beauties of being here. There are pluses and minuses to Wellington, but one of the main pluses is sort of that idea, the proximity principle of, of we're all together and we all can talk about horses and we all love this sport and we love the animals and you have every facet of the industry. So we have a little bit of a weird view of it right now because, you know, the reality is most of the country, it's snowy, it's rainy, it's, it's, this is the hardest. It's I always winter. Found. It's winter. <laughs> February was awful because you're just like, oh my gosh. You know, I felt like Kentucky Reese, was always it is, Reese, full pause. It is still February. Yeah. I know. That's what I mean. I felt like February is the hardest long because month. it's so long and it's the shortest <laughs> month, but it's the longest month. You've been uh, through January and you're like, I can see show season coming, but it's still February. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> yes, for sure. So. so you've got Alexa, you've got the like 13 or 1400 members of this young and young ish equine professionals forum, <laughs> um, which if, if for our listeners, if you're not already part of this and you're part of the young and young ish um, definition as defined by the group, definitely check this out. But um, you have you've you've got oversight on the entire um, group. I'm sure you have members that are part of this from all corners of the planet. Um, what is probably what is the most impactful or impressive thread that you've seen on the on on the group? <laughs> um, okay, well this could go two ways <laughs> because you've been if you've been in uh, the group long enough. Um, there's definitely an icebreaker thread that was posted maybe two years ago, um, talking about, uh, underwear <laughs> and yes! what, what everyone is wearing <laughs> uh, for a female rider, then you probably have had these issues. And this, um, thread shout out to Lauren Knott who posted it. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> Bravery. <laughs> Yes, bravery. Hundreds of comments on this thread. Yes. Um, so obviously that was a really <laughs> impactful topic. Um, it's funny <laughs> as, um, but, you know, outside of that, on like a more serious note, 
we have had some really, really great um, discussions on like, where can we see this industry going? Um, you know, talks about breeding and what is that like, what horses are people breeding to? And, um, you know, are, is there anything that we should be looking out for um, in terms of breeding aspects and um, getting members to like, how can we sustain the uh, dressage community, the young rider community, the hunter jumper, like any of these disciplines, like how can, as young professionals, we get involved, um, make a change. Um, There's been some really, really great uh, threads on that as well. Yeah. No, there's been great. And Alexa, you also just had a baby. Can you tell us a little bit about that? She is so cute. Thank you. I am very biased, but she is absolutely adorable. Um, She she, is. She's really cute. She's really cute. She's really cute. 100%. I I watch on Slightly Stock slash watch, you know, and love seeing her. Oh, my. Oh, my. No, no, no. (laughs) She's so cute. You can't not look at her. She's precious. Thank you. No, she is, uh, she is such a sweetheart and, you know, like everyone will sit there and be like, Oh, your life is going to change. But I didn't realize like coming from someone who is like a workaholic, I work full time outside of this industry, um, do horses part time. And I thought, okay, maybe I have to like not teach one night of the week or one day of the week. And it is so incredible how quickly a workaholic's priorities can shift when you have a (laughs) it's like oh my gosh I don't want to be working 17 hours a day or you know pulling all-nighters to get it like all the work done like I want to come home and have dinner with my family um and so like that has definitely been a big shift in my life but I have the most amazing group of clients that have been super supportive um because I had to stop riding really early on in my pregnancy due to some complications um, which was not part of the plan. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, honestly, like they were so supportive through it all that it really, even though I struggle with the guilt, uh, you know, like and not wanting to let them down, they sure. have been wonderful. Um, and you know, I still had three of my riders goals were to get bronze medals last year and all three of them, uh, got their medals, which was awesome. Um, yeah, so it's just been, it's been a really cool journey definitely put shifts your priorities fast and puts, you know, kind of some positivity and, um, as a, you know, your focus and stuff, Yeah, you know, like the other stuff kind of just, you're like, Oh, whatever. I don't need to deal with that. I just want my day to be happy. Right. And you did say that you work also outside of the horse industry. What do you, what do you do? If you don't mind me asking. Sure. Uh, so my family owns a non-ferrous recycling center. So when I was, um, in high or just got out of high school I started working um for my dad just during college and stuff and then uh told him that I would come back and once I did my second you know trip to Florida uh with the horses I was like okay well I guess I like need to you know kind of hunker down and and get going um I can't I I graduated college early so that I could go to Florida for one more yeah (laughs) yeah girl (laughs) is long enough in Florida like I'll come home and work <laughs> um, so is something just to like help him you know kind of get by because the you know labor industry is really tough um it yeah. was back then still is now so I kind of never left I love it um I'm 
now moved into like operations. Uh, so I manage like all of our buying and selling inventory, logistics, you know, how it is when you have a small business, you wear all the hats. So it's cool. I think owning uh, owning a business and being part of a family business, because that's kind of what it sounds like to me, is something that really gives you good perspective. Because even if you're doing your dressage world or your equestrian world side of, of your life and supplementing it with another career outside of the equestrian world, the things that you're able to bring back into this are so relevant. And you're like, I never thought of it that way, except for I do it yeah. this way for this, right? What are, what yeah. are some of those nuances yeah. that you have? You know, I think one of the um, biggest things that I've come across is you don't, just because like I do the training part time um, and it's, it's not that I do it for money. I do it because I love it, but coming from a company where you have to make money, like that's how I put food on the table, right? Like in that perspective is like trying to help people understand like, okay, these are the labor laws. These are the reasons why you need to like make money training your horses. You can't just kind of like funnel that money back into your own horse because you have to eat too. And you have to set yourself up for retirement because we all know that horses um, are unpredictable and you know, <laughs> things, can, you know, but things can change so quickly that you aren't expecting. Yep. And like, if you have a bad fall, what's your plan B? Yeah. You know, and so, one of the things that I think like I kind of um, like when I talk to some of my friends that are starting out or um, to different people on the forum is kind of like, hey, I know that you love you got into this because you love horses, but you have to be able to look at the big picture of your life long term and like, how are you going to retire? And do you have a savings for like the time that your horse falls off? And that doesn't mean you have to do it like everything right at the beginning and like, you know, yeah. overwhelm yourself with this stuff. But like, think about it. Like as you gain traction, like have your, like set some goals and say, okay, in five years, I want to have start a retirement fund. And it doesn't have to be tons of money, but just get started, you know, like yeah. that sort of, and I think that's where, um, what's really cool for me to kind of pull from that industry, um, you know, some of the things that get forgotten and overlooked in the horse industry. Yes. Yeah. No, I love it. I, I think what you're doing is amazing. Your energy is phenomenal. And uh, we really thank you because I, I've been watching and part of your group and have loved it and, and wanted to get you on the show. So Alex, I'm so thrilled you were able to come on. If our listeners have questions, feel that they could get into the group because I, I there are some, some restrictions to get into the group. Um, yeah. How can they find you online? Sure. So you can reach out to me uh, via email. It's voodoo at gmail.com. Or if you want to friend me on Facebook or Instagram, whatever. um, Yeah. Come, come be part of the party. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on and uh, we look forward to hearing what's going on in the future. Thanks Alexa. for having me. I really appreciate this opportunity. Thank you for coming. We appreciate it too. All right. Have a great night. Well, I am thrilled to have back by popular demand, Dr. Carol Holland of Natural Vet Palm Beach Veterinary Services. Dr. Holland, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much. And thank you for asking me. I always enjoy to 
get on and give my ideas of things that I think about through the day that I want everybody to know, not just my lovely clients, but I would love to spread the news around the world. So thank you so much. Well, and I love it because when you're here, we we basically, I think I make you late every time because I'm like, what do you think? What are we doing? Tell me more. Like, I think we literally are late all the time and because we just get chatting. So we literally were like, we were talking, I think last week about uh, forgotten joints and pain-based therapy. And I love this. And I, I want you to kind of talk about what we were talking about uh, in the stall a few weeks ago. Oh, sure. Yeah. So one of my things that I'm always asked is how do you know how the horse, how do you know what's wrong with my horse and how do you know? And, and they don't talk and everything. So what I try to do and, and because I do a lot of acupuncture, um, an acupuncture quote unquote diagnosis, if that's the correct term and, um, and some chiropractic to relieve some of the fascial tension in the horses too, and then try to do work it up in association with the lameness is I try to find the most painful area of the horse and basically put that fire out first. And and in sports medicine, most of the horses have pain somewhere at some time. And it can be a terrible issue or it can be just a mild fascial issue or mild pain. So one of the fun the fun things to do and is just find small areas of pain that's not a huge problem in the horses and then work on that and make them a lot better. So I always try to think of a, a pain-based um, approach to the therapy, even to lameness. And um, as you know, in sports medicine, lameness is the number one problem, whether it be coming from the legs or the back or the intestines or, you know, the saddle or the rider or the footing, whatever the problem is, it, it's um, it's almost like a crime scene. We have to go in and, and discover, you know, what the problem is. And a lot of times the horses are not lame. So that makes it more challenging. And when you use a pain-based approach, finding where the area of most pain is, a lot of times you can work backwards and then find where the original lameness is. So I've sort of developed an approach to ther- to my therapy like that and um, been pretty successful in finding what I call the forgotten joints. And I mentioned that the other day because a lot of times we forget because we're so keyed in on, um, oh, my horse's hocks hurt or my horse's stifles hurt or their coffin joints hurt. And that's an easy, um, an easy remedy to, you know, do therapy, joint injection therapy or, you know, laser therapy or whatever therapy you choose for that. But then also, why can't their shoulders hurt or why can't their hips, you know, the hip joint hurt or why can't, you know, another, the hind coffins hurt? And I always wondered for a long time, why, you know, that wasn't part of like a natural course of let's diagnose this or that. And and most of the time, you know, I call it the forgotten joint because as a regular veterinarian in, in our business and especially in dressage, because the horses use almost every inch of their body mm-hmm. to perform their job. I think in dressage because it's special. I hate to say that, but <laughs> compared mm-hmm. to the other the other sports, but I think that we need to really start looking at those other joints and decide is the pain actually there too and what is the issue for treating those or how can we treat those. So um, I use it as sort of a a level of where the lameness or where the soreness is coming from. So if it's, it's coming from like the shoulder area, does the hip also hurt too? And both of those joints are not commonly treated like on an everyday basis or on a routine basis. Not that they need to be, 
but it's certainly something we need to always look at and develop a plan for for using that as a um as a good way to say does my horse hurt here um and then develop an approach for either imaging or diagnosis or just therapy to make them better at that area it depends on the the depth of the problem so i've always gone into um looking into that as saying making sure that i don't forget to look into those joints you know because sports medicine is about the whole horse. It's not just about the hocks or the stifles or the sore back. Yeah. And I I believe also that with the advancements in veterinary medicine, which have occurred so rapidly in my career, that I have to constantly feel like I'm not too old to know something new because the advancements have been huge. And the biggest advancement, I think, has been in the biological um, injection therapy. And we have, in my lifetime as a veterinarian, we have developed biologics to inject into joints. And I think um, not in, in our area, you know, in our area in Wellington and, you know, Lexington and the hot horse areas. But we need to really promote that is the joint injection therapy because of the benefits of what it gives you. It doesn't do any destruction. It only helps. And I think with that, we can also use that as a um, as a pain management instead of using a corticosteroid. So we have so many options compared to what it used to be that I really, really um, feel like we can help the horses more than than ever in this day and age. I love mm-hmm. hearing the creativity in the veterinary space and really trying to think outside the box on how we can care for our, for these really high performance horses that give so much effort on every single ride. You've been involved in some major level competitions and, and, uh, and with our team horses and with really high profile horses, what are some of the common trends that you see and some of the more common thread uh, issues that you address with, uh, with the high performance horses? Well, as you said, I mean, it's very, sometimes you do have to get creative. And um, I think with the high performance horses, you have to follow them and know pretty much everything, where they go, what they do. And so a lot of people that I've seen that are successful at the high level are using a lot of um, therapy, not in, not veterinary drug therapy, but a lot of, um, um, ex, what I would call external therapy, like FES therapy, laser therapy. Um, they'll call me for acupuncture or chiropractic, or they'll get massage therapy. But the people that are generally successful are, are at the top. They are definitely always making sure that these horses get taken care of in every possible way, not just icing the legs when you come back, not just um, not just the top food because everybody can you know knows about nutrition, but the top the top horses and and everywhere that I've been have have gotten the most therapy, and it can happen at the shows, it can happen at home, but when it happens on a regular basis, then those are the ones that tend to be the most successful, and that's okay. been and that's been a revolutionary for me to see. And I, I think you uh, sorry you, you talked about Dr. Um, Holland about the ladder of success. And I love this now. I think you actually talked about it last year on the podcast, but can you just real quickly talk about that? Because I think that's kind of where you are. And I loved how you said that. Yeah, the ladder of success, again, is what I always call the ladder is 
you always have a foundation in everything you do and you try to reach for a goal at the top and what's, what's at the top of your ladder. So how do you get there? And everybody likes goal-based therapy to, to achieve um, what they need. So at the bottom of the ladder and, and specifically in the ladder, we have to uh, address like where, where does it begin? Does it begin? And I always say that it begins, we clearly have a horse in the ladder, but where does it really begin? And it begins with the owner and the owner's desire to wherever they want their horse to go. Now, the owner doesn't have to be the rider or the trainer, but I think the the foundation of every horse has got to be um, the person that is in charge of the direction, in charge of the finances, and in charge of the final decision. So the next step is the rider and the trainer, and at equal times, um, the rider and or the trainer can have um, the decision where to go from that and communicate with the owner. Then and and then the ladder becomes varied. Then you decide um, how large the step is up to the next level, which could be, you know, the next level could be nutrition or the next level could be um, veterinary care. And then each step on the ladder is your ladder to success. So during one week, nutrition is going to be the focus and that kind of may have to stay the same. But what if your horse is not gaining weight? then you have to increase your nutrition step up and decide where you're going to go. The next ladder, the next level will be up is regular veterinary care, which I think is essential. And I don't mean um, uh, vaccinations. I mean, and, you know, routine worming. I mean, sports medicine care, which is a lot different. And, um, and then you decide where you are in your training. And the veterinarian is in that ladder rung somewhere between veterinary care and depending on the show season versus the, um, you know, the off season or whatever part of the horse it has to be and making the decision of what portion of that ladder is large at the time. So I think that it's important to know that each rung on the ladder is not going to always be the same space apart, but to get to the top, you have to add each one of those steps, which should always include um, therapy of some sort, even if you're just giving your horse a, a bath with, you know, liniment, that's therapy. Even if you're making sure your horse gets groomed or even if you purchase a, you know, a hypervolt machine and you massage your horse every day and you're saying, okay, this is what I can do on my ladder and for my own therapy. And then one day, as, you know, you may be the owner, the rider and the trainer, and that's perfectly fine. But during a week or a month, each rung on that ladder may change, you know, within your own goals for what you have to do. And certainly um, your goal could be to make sure that you have a good trail ride on Sunday and your horse goes out and is happy. And, and certainly the next goal could be the Olympics. So when you speak to your veterinarian or your trainer or your, you know, whoever you want, then have them help you pick out what's important at what time. And I always like, the first question I always have to everybody is, okay, what are you doing this week? What are you doing in three weeks? Where do you want this horse to go? Is it for sale? Is it is it going to go to the show? You know, because that's super important in sports medicine. And and then you can develop your own ladder based on that. But um, I start and it narrows down to the top or stays big. Just depends on what you want to put into it. Mm-hmm. 
it's such practical and sensible advice. And I, I'm just sitting here listening to you and I, I don't I don't currently ride and I don't have a horse, but I, I think about this all the time. I'm like, okay, well, if I was doing it, how would I how would I do this kind of stuff yeah. at this level? And and it's really extraordinary to hear someone like you talk through this at, at such a relatable and understandable level. Um Dr. Holland, you you um you travel and you do this all over the world and and you're a very high value asset for our country but there are people that could benefit greatly from your knowledge um and i guess i just wonder what kind of nuggets would you want just a, a your everyday horse owner and horse enthusiast to know about how to approach the care for their horse especially as it relates to pain management thank you and thank you for the compliments and um i really like that question because the number one thing that i think that people need to recognize is that the majority, I would say 99% of the majority of bad behavior in a horse is related to some sort of pain. And I know that sounds like a huge number, but I have seen so many horses with pain in certain areas and people say, oh, they're just mean, they're just bad. You know, they're banging on the door because they, mm-hmm. they want attention yeah. or they're yeah. bucking me off because um, they're just bad. And then um, you know, or whatever. Like I heard a story today of a head shaker horse that they couldn't even walk in the stall. And once they um, injected the nerve and did some electrotherapy on the nerve, he was fine. It took three sessions, but they couldn't even walk in the stall with him. So wow. imagine the pain that our yeah. animals go through and that a lot of times the misunderstanding of the pain is bad behavior. And if anybody could do anything I would say that um, don't discount drug therapy. Don't discount um, having, you know, a chiropractor or an acupuncturist or anybody Mm -hmm. that you trust that is qualified in your area to go look and make sure your horse is not in pain before you decide that, you know, this is terrible behavior. We need, you know, even then you could train him differently or put a different bit or bridle or saddle, but for sure rule out every aspect of pain. Yeah. Like you say, it really is a team approach. And that's what I love working with you is, you know, you look at the whole horse and you look at, you know, you've asked questions, you looked at what's the management, how do we change things? And I think that that's so vital when, and I'm very lucky I get to work with you here and, you know, have, have that resource. But um, I think, like you said, just looking at the whole horse and all the things that you could be missing and, and, kind of going back to these sort of forgotten joints, you know, how do you, how do you sort of diagnose them? I know that's a really hard question, but like you said, the the certain injections and things happen, but how do you kind of know when to look somewhere else, if that's makes sense? Well, clearly the history is super important. And if you've done any joint injections before, then a good thorough diagnosis, a good thorough exam, like watching the horse trot, watching the horse canter, watching the horse in his actual moves, like a dressage, or watching him compete, or whichever the sport that he's in, I think it needs to be seen if this is a clearly a clear way to get to the scene of the crime and find the really problem, you know, the real problem. So, for instance, in dressage, I, I've seen a lot of horses lately. It doesn't mean this is exactly correct, but like, okay, if they're not in the half pass correctly, one way or the other, I'm always checking the shoulder or the hip which it would you would be so surprised to know that that, that it's not always checked in the mo- by a lot of um common you know exams like people forget oh yeah the shoulder could hurt 
So then the next level past that is, do you inject a shoulder joint or do you, what do you do for the shoulder joint? And then that's what you discuss. Do you do imaging to see if there's a, a problem or do you just decide to treat the area and, and get the pain away? And that's one of the forgotten joints. So, you know, um, you learn for, uh, you learn to look at biomechanics and at, at certain gates, of the horse, like the walk and the canter tend to be three and four beat gates. So what are the muscles used at that gate? And is that where the horse is having problems? And which joints are used more often at those, at those times? If you look at the trot, it, it's more of a crossing type of movement. And all of these things, almost anything can be looked up on Google, you know, biomechanics by anybody. You know, you don't have to buy special books or have a special veterinarian. I mean, I think that if you just look at it and say the horse's his body is turning in the trot, you know, he's sideways on the left, you know, left hind, right front, sideways on the left front, right hind. So where is he twisting? It Does that match in the trot? And then you sort of say, you know, am I looking at the horse in that way? And then if the horse is having a problem in every gate, <laughs> then it's really fun. But sometimes yeah. they present. <laughs> sometimes they present in a certain way that you can look at that and then you know, for hind coffin joints and every veterinarian has their own way to diagnose things because I think we forget about the hind coffin a lot of times. And um, clearly the number one thing to do is just do a flexion test, uh, look for joint effusion, do an x-ray. I mean, those are veterinary things. Um, a layman can see if the horse has pain, um, you know, by pressing on the joint to see if it's got a lot of fluid and um, and it's certainly hard to, to diagnose a hind coffin because they don't usually ever go lame from that. And sometimes you just have to believe that that's a problem. Um, and then certain other joints, you know, the neck and back are becoming more common, at least on the East Coast, to do spinal injections. That's becoming um, very prevalent. And I know a lot of veterinarians are, are become very proficient at doing that. So um, I'm so happy to know that you know, neck pain is being addressed a lot more than it used to be. And Dr. Uh, knees. Uh, no, go ahead. Ms. So. No, I, I, I don't want to interrupt you. Um, but I, I was just, as I was listening to this, I was thinking one of the things that, um, that our, our industry and especially in the dressage world um, is experiencing right now is our horses, our, our show horses, our perform high performance horses are traveling such great distances on such a regular basis. And these are athletes and they're performance athletes. And I know I get on an airplane and I sit there for five and a half, six hours and, you know, and I stand up and, and I'm achy and I got to stretch out. And, you know, we, we put our horses on airplanes, we put them on horse trailers and we haul them across the country and they get to these competitions. And I just wonder what, what advice you can give to again, you know, the average uh, average competitor and uh, and show enthusiast on what they can do to really give their horses the best opportunity when they get to the show. When it comes to thinking about pain and it comes to this forgotten joint concept, what they can do to give their horse the best opportunity for success. That's a great question too. Um, one of the number one things, and this has even been proven in research, that horses have a problem when they travel even 10 minutes on a trailer is gastric issues. And they, because they start to, um, they're either not eating or they're stressed and they, they have start with indigestion and possibly develop ulcers from traveling. 
So I would suggest that anybody that puts their horse on um, any type of um, travel, whether it be an airplane or um, a car, trailer, not a car, but a trailer, um, or even just riding to the horse show in, in a new stall, just consider that there is an issue. It doesn't mean your horse has an ulcer, but it could also mean that you could do something to prevent the um the indigestion problem, which you could use a simple herb like aloe vera juice to give before the travel. You could even purchase drugs that are very not innocuous, like something called sucralfate or just to coat the stomach to help during the travel. I know a lot of my clients um, love to give gastroguard, but I would always tell everybody to check with your veterinarian about that. Um, I love a Chinese herb that we have. Um, we also use that, and, and um, that particular product comes from a place in um, Ocala, and we use that that herb a lot of times for a lot of horses to travel. So, I think it should be um, I think it should be something either addressed with your veterinarian or your own horse, or even just feeding the. Um, the there's a lot of great new foods out now that contain alfalfa, and the alfalfa because of the high calcium content tends to um, uh, help the horses have good digestion too, but not during the travel. Um, if they're not eating, I would say protect the stomach. Then when you arrive, um, the majority of my clients, um, you know, want them um, either checked right away for chiropractic or acupuncture. If you don't have that available um, in your area, um, my favorite device of all time is you can get them on Amazon now for not very expensive are the Hypervolts. And they're little um, massage guns, and I don't suggest starting learning how to use it at the horse show. Get it before <laughs> you go to the horse show and make sure your horse likes it. Yeah. Yeah. That's very wise. And, um, <laughs> and, 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 they, and, and that you could use and no more than three minutes in a certain location on each muscle, and that would loosen your horse up also. So between so those two things alone are things that people can do and that I would do if I was taking my horse traveling, making sure the stomach is not having um, any issues, and then also the um, making sure they're calm, you know their backs yeah. and hips and you can use the hypervolt on any soft tissue, um, the heels, the legs, anywhere you know as long as you're not overdoing it and um, each location of about I would say um, six to twelve inch area is about three minutes. No longer than three minutes per site. Good for riders too. Also, I was going to say there's, there's human application. Yeah, for this. <laughs> human application. Well, and again, <laughs> I, this, these are just you know when you think about it. I mean, I think sometimes it's daunting to think like, oh, I don't have this and I don't have that, and and I think that's what you're so amazing at is like, well, let's look at this. Like, not everybody can afford all the toys, but these are some very simple things that all every one of us can do and can keep with us, and they're phenomenal. And I think it's really cool that you've been able to show us and and to teach us you know, how to start going up this rung in the, of the ladder and every one of us can do it. And, um, yeah. I think it's phenomenal. And, uh, I think you just, I love every time you come on you, this is why everybody were late when Dr. Holland comes every time. Cause I'm like, what can I do? How can I do it? And, and I think you're very good about let, let's try some other things. Let's look at this and just coming at it kind of from a, a big perspective and then narrowing down for, for what each of us can do. Um, I think it's phenomenal. Well, we could literally keep you on here all night, but I want to, it's, it's season and we're all so busy and I just am so grateful for your time. So how can our listeners find you online and ask uh, questions if they need to? 
Yes, anytime. And I love to answer questions about everything. Um, I have a website, Natural Vet PB, the initials of Palm Beach, but it's naturalvetpb.com. And there's a way just to send me a message on the website. Um, and and that's that comes right to my cell phone. And I get several every day, it seems like nowadays. <laughs> So, um, yeah, that's great. And any any questions, I always answer and um, anything you need to know. So I'd love to do that. Well, thank you so much for your time, Craig. This was awesome. You're so sweet. Thank you, too. And I enjoyed hearing all of your voices. And, and thanks again, Reese. So I'm sure I'll be seeing you soon. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, Dr. Holland. Thank you, too. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. And now some pro tips on fly and insect management from the industry experts at Spalding Labs, makers of fly predators. Especially with performance horses, flies can really be a nuisance. Fly predators are a great investment of all the different poisons and insecticides and different things you could use. I don't know of anything that is more economical and more effective than Spalding fly predators. Well, tonight we are so happy to have Back as a guest, and she's been on many times, Katie Pogue. She just got her large R promotion, I think that is, as a judge. Katie, welcome back to the show. Thank you guys for having me. I'm thrilled to be here as always. I know. I was I was trying to remember when you were on last, and um, I saw this on Facebook, and I just was so excited for you, my friend. So tell us a little bit about your promotion and also what that means for people um, if they don't know what a large R promotion is, because it's a big deal. Um, so I have my large, have been promoted to the large R license, so I can judge through fourth level. Um, I originally had the small R license and could judge through second level. And so now we can move up. Um, mm -hmm. I would love to continue on to the S license and, um, that will just take time. Um, but no, it's been, I had a, a great group of ladies this time, um, that just were all very encouraging. We worked together really well. Um, and then at the very end, we had our examiners, Lilo Four and Natalie Lamping. And it was just, it was a very, very time consuming yes. um, process. But as far as just everybody in it was just honest and eager to help the sport and grow and learn and we we're all very supportive um and then our examiners at the end were great um and it just it you know you get to the end of it and look back um and it it was a great experience um the judges program i have really enjoyed um for me having the the the, the riding the training the coaching the competing um, and then the judges part of it, it just, I really enjoy it, um, from an educational standpoint and I've just learned so much kind of the full circle of things and, um, you know, really want to be able to help people from the judges point of view, also in improving things in their sport. And, um, and that was just also something with the, the group of ladies that we had, it just, everybody was so encouraging. So. Really excited. I love to that. Move, moving yeah. along. 
I love that. And, you know, the the judge training program in our country has come so, so, so far. And with there's new technology that's involved and it's going to it's going to adapt and change even more in the next in the coming year um, with the introduction of some new technology that's coming to the judge training program. But you guys had such incredible mentors along the way. I know um, from personal experience running shows that a lot of times uh, we get requests from these training groups from the large R program of the small R program, even the S program that there are up and coming judges in the country and they need to be able to come to the shows across the country and sit and observe and do apprenticeships. That means that you guys are hauling all over civilization to go to shows so that you guys can observe and practice and really hone your craft. What was that journey like for you? Um, it, it was, it, it definitely is a process and yes, there are requirements that you have to, um, like you said, have to um, sit and observe, observe it shows and we have to hire a mentor. And over the years, the process has changed in how we sit and acquire hours of judging more or less. And um, we were able to hire some wonderful mentors this year. And our program started it's a, a year process as far as the whole testing situation. Um, we started Labor Day weekend two years ago, and then this past Labor Day was our final exam. And within that year, you had to have had um, a certain number of mentors at a certain number of shows and judge a certain number of classes and so on and so forth. And um, I put together one in May in Lexington, Virginia. And again, the show committees, the managers, um, they have all been wonderful. Um, the kind of even going through years of competing and getting to know the secretaries and being able to call and, and try to get help and be very respectful of their time and what they are putting into the show. And then, you know, Hey, by the way, can, can we come too? Yeah. Can um, we come too? You know, it's, can we play? it's a lot of, it's, and, and everybody, I think we really want to do this. And I think they, understand that and they want to help we want to help and so um it it ends up really showing that you know we're we're in it for the long haul yeah and um so no so it was it was time consuming and the the one that I put on in um Lexington we had um two ladies that came and This year, and I think things changed since COVID and they got a little bit backed up. So their program's kind of starting every six months and you have to wait until you have 10 people to start a program. And so once you start into the group mentoring, um, other people from other groups can join you. And so like we had two ladies that came all the way from California and, um, and somebody, I think from Arizona, I mean, it was just, we've, everybody's up and down the East coast you know, if you can get one going in your region, because they also make you do stuff out of your region. Um, and so you are, it is expensive. You are doing a lot of traveling. Um, and I think just, you know, you get there and everybody, I think really does recognize how much time, money, effort, all this is taking. And and we really want to get the best of it. So everybody really does behave and want to, you know, get the most out of it and learn because when we hire the mentors, that's our time. We have hired them. We can ask them anything, get their advice. And 
they this year the ones that we hired were just so open and honest about things and encouraging and um and that and that was fun and they were in our shoes years ago and going through the same thing and it's you know it's stressful and you get there and um and then especially when you get to the testing and you have you know top judges in the country and in the world um you know looking after things and making sure that we have all of our our understanding and that it's clear and everything and um i just am very grateful and very appreciative to the group the mentors our examiners the shows it just it it is a lot and yeah. um and then you get to the end and you're like, oh my gosh, it's over. It <laughs> it's over. Well, Katie, <laughs> as tradition of the Dressage Radio Show, we like to grab judges tips and training tips. You can do both, but we're going to go with judges tips. Uh, so tell us, you took a student to a show. So tell us some judging tips that our listeners can use. Yeah. So I had a student that um, we went, this was her first horse show with um, her new horse and it was very quiet and everything. And obviously you're trying to practice from the training point. You're trying to practice your test with your student so that they're prepared. Um, and you know, so from a trainer and a judge hat together, you know, I really wanted her, I feel like the judges first see you coming down the center line and that's your first impression. And it can be easy points. And Mm -hmm if it's straight, if they keep it balanced, if the horse stays balanced, if the rider keeps the horse balanced and themselves balanced, obviously landing square, being immobile, all those requirements um, are helpful, but it is, it is something that you can practice. You can practice it in different areas of the arena. Um, But if you just pay attention to finding that center line, not overshooting the center line, knowing where X is, Um, A lot of people really go past it or undershoot it. And then when you get to championships, you've got the judge on the side and that's your first impression that you overshot the center, the X by a a horse length. Um, I I really feel, and I I really felt my lady was prepared and that was fun for me to see. And she got several eights in the entrance and the exit. And then that was the last thing that they saw. And that ending center line, obviously the judge is thinking back on how the horse did as they, and the horse horse and rider and how they, how they were through the test while they're filling in the back of the test. Um, And I, I think it just, it, it was good bookends and she really paid attention to it. And it just gave her a really good start and a really good finish. And I just, one as a trainer was very proud, but then knowing when you're sitting at the end of the arena and you see somebody coming in and it's just simple and straight and quiet and they land where they're supposed to land. And you're like, Oh, this is a really nice clean start. And I just, I think it's a place that you can get easy points. And so for all of you out there, just pay attention to your center lines, your first impression uh, is I think very important. 
I think that is absolutely sage advice. And I think one of the things that you had the opportunity that you already touched on a little bit is you had your as your examiners, you had Lilo Four and Natalie Lamping, both of who are accomplished FEI dressage judges. Natalie um, is an FEI four-star um, dressage judge. Lilo is a retired FEI five-star judge. She judged at the Olympics. Now she's on the FEI judges supervisory panel, the JSP. You had really exceptional people along the way in this program, yeah. what kind, what kind of um, nuggets that did you get from them um, that you could maybe even uh, relay to our listeners and, and some of those folks that are going through the L program and the small R program? What did you glean from those guys that uh, that are tips or pro tips that you can throw out to them? Um, well, I think the biggest thing was just how encouraging they were, and just that um, every everybody everybody can make mistakes and it's okay. And we're all trying to learn. And, um, as we were sitting and watching certain things at horse shows, um, you know, as a, as a judge, you're wanting to make sure that you're prepared and think that you've seen so many things and every horse, every horse show, it's like you see something different. Um, and you're trying to go through your head with the rules and how to handle something and how to score it appropriately and how not to, over penalized and trying to stay positive and um you know so i i think what was helpful in in just learning from them is that it is a process and that we are still in the small r and the large r we are still learning once you get to s you you're seeing you've seen a lot by then yeah. um <laughs> you've got a lot of years a lot of years under your belt and um and it just you know, to kind of stick with it. And you have to um, be able to explain something. And if, and if you have a score and that you really, you know, your gut and you have a reason for it, you know, stick with it. And I think when, you know, we, as still kind of learning, we haven't done a lot of panel judging and, you know, they were telling us stories and how they've handled things. And they just, they they stuck to things and it ended up working out. And sometimes you question yourselves and you just, you have to kind of go with your gut and rely on that. You've gone through these training years and um, the program and then with judges like them and um, to just really, really kind of trust yourself. And, and, and it was just, they were very helpful in that and making us, believe in ourselves and that we did we knew stuff we really did we knew it yeah. and we should give it that and we were positive and that was helpful and and so that the rider always can look at their test and and take away a positive um experience from us and that they've learned something and and that was also what was great about our mentors and even the the group of ladies that we had is that it just, you know, you didn't have anybody that was um, crazy negative. It was just, everybody really wanted, everybody wants to get it right. They don't want to be wrong. They want to be, they want to encourage, they want that rider to get the best out of it, get the most out of it. And, and that's also the fun thing too, where I've had a lot of students who are afraid of judging and it's like, what are you talking about? They're like your biggest fan. Like they want you to do well. They are looking to go 
like, wow, this was a great ride. And that was so harmonious. And just sit back in your chair and enjoy it. Like they really are your biggest fan. And it's just cool to hear four star, five stars, you know, judges across the board that that is, they, they really do want all the riders to do well. And, and when I sit there and watch, you know, even with my scribe sitting beside, I can feel like, you know, trying to encourage it. Come on, come on, you can get it. You can get it. And, um, I think that is the fun part in knowing that they do really want you to do well too. Well, and I think that's such a good, you know, tip. You and I literally met when we were 16 and 17 at Young Riders and this has been your life and your career and you have competed internationally on multiple horses. And I think that's probably very similar to the group that you were with. And as you move forward, I'm such um, not only are you my friend, but, you know, to see you move forward, you're the kind of judge we want because you know exactly how hard this is and you do such an amazing job. And I think that that's just a, a good thing to reiterate to everyone is judges are in there and you have spent so much time and so much of your own money. You know, none of this is paid by the Federation to move forward. No, and, it is. No, it is. It is not. Yeah. And, 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 <laughs> it's it's not, yeah, and it's not, you're not really making, uh, you would make more as a trainer than you do as a judge. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a little bit of the love of the sport and continuing to move forward. And, and I'm so very thankful that you have done it because, my goodness, girl, I'm not particularly a judge. And we've talked about that. And and you are just so good and positive and are everyone's biggest cheerleader, um, which I love. So I do have to ask, what is going on in your riding career? Because um, you've, you've had some shifting, right? Um, yeah, no, I have a, um, had a group of horses last year that I took to um, festival and did some young horse stuff. And so I have those guys um coming along and one will be a five-year-old this year and I have two eight-year-olds and so that's fun and then the most fun of it is my CDI Grand Prix Stallion I have a six-year-old little boy from him who is phenomenal (laughs) we talked a lot about and Ziggy on the show so that's so fun and that that is that would that um it's been a lot of fun bringing him along and the characteristics and things that are totally from his, his pops. And, um, and we might try to do a little bit more breeding this year and see if we can get some other, um, superstars, but I'm, I have not brought him out. No one has seen him yet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's a little bit kind of under the wraps right now. Excited to Andy see Reese him. Will have sure. to Andy Reese will excited to see and, him for uh, sure. <laughs> but no, it's, it is it is fun having had um, a CDI Grand Prix stallion and having a a really cool baby from him, and um, and also having shown in the CDI arena and going through the judges program and being a yeah having the combination of that. There aren't a lot of um, CDI riders that are CDI Grand Prix riders that are in the program. There are right. some, so it's, you know, you feel even, even a little bit more, um, involved knowing that. And it's just, it's just, it's, it's a really special time and I'm enjoying it and just going to keep, keep moving along with the horses and the judging and 
keep kind of the full cycle going. Katie, I love that you're still riding actively and competing actively. I think it's the coolest thing for our members, um, the membership of the of the USDF and and the listeners, obviously, um, for them to be able to see you in the ring out there fighting the good fight yeah. and also be able to like come down the center line and be like, oh man, I just saw her at a show the other day and like, and I saw her ride. And I think that people should have so much respect and appreciation for those people. You that, you know, spends countless hours and schlepping all over civilization to do the shadowing and the sitting and the apprenticeships and then the exams all just so that you can be a judge and give people feedback and help make them better riders. So like, Super, super, super kudos to you. I think it's it's very impressive and very admirable. And as an organizer, I'm incredibly grateful for your dedication. Well, I I appreciate it from this side also. And, um, and it's fun even having this program to be able to talk about the programs that we have um, in our country and, you know, the great trainers, the guests that you guys have from just the whole range of what we have in our sport. And it's you know, I appreciate you guys um, having this platform too to to get more out of or get to know people more than just you know seeing them in the show arena and appreciating um, what people see, but then also getting to know them, and that's that's a a great aspect of your show, and really appreciate that in you guys. We- Absolutely. We said that uh, we said that last week with some of our guests. We said TDs aren't scary and neither are the judges. Yeah. And they're, ride- they're riders <laughs> right. too. They had to be riders in order, in order to get yeah. where they're sitting today. <laughs> so Katie, it was so much fun catching up with you. We could talk all day long. If our listeners wanted to reach out to you and connect and, and learn more about your experience um, and getting to the judging point that you're at in your career, how can they reach out to you? Um, everybody can email me at katiepogdressage at yahoo.com and um, happy to take any any questions or feedback and thank it, thank you everybody for listening and thank you guys for having me. And to all of our organizer friends who are on listening today, don't forget that we have the newest USCF large R dressage judge and she's available for hire. So please reach out yeah. to her and bring her to your show. Thank you so much, <laughs> Katie, for joining us today. Thanks, we can't wait to talk to you again. Thank you so much. Well, as always, everyone, feel free to send us an email or Facebook shout outs. We love them. Any questions, comments, we try to, to uh, accommodate and talk and, and talk through them for sure. Um, we have had some questions about the book club. We will have a book to announce uh, our next show. Uh, just trying to work through some logistics on how we're going to make that work. Well, we are really looking forward to bringing it back. And I'm excited to learn how to read again. Uh, It's been a minute, but uh, this is going to be a super fun thing. And I can't wait to be part of it. Yeah, I think we're all going to love it. And I love it, Noah. You're bringing it back. It's (laughs) going to be phenomenal. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, as always, everybody, you can find our show notes and links to today's guest on our page at horseradionetwork.com. Just search Dressage Radio Show. Like us on Facebook. Just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. And my website is devinwoodec.com and you can follow me on Facebook at noah.ratner or email me at region6dir at usdf.org. We'd like to thank our incredible friends and show sponsors, Kentucky Performance Products. If you'd like to support our show and the Horse Radio Network, you can do that through the auditor program found at horseradionetwork.com.
everybody from the stable to the show ring, from the first half halt to the last dream big, everybody. And we can't wait to talk to you soon.